Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 26, Friday, December 28th, 2018, and this is going to be the final episode of 2018, the last one of the year, ever since we started back on September 3rd, Labor Day. It's been a fun ride, and I really appreciate all of you uh, hanging on, tagging along for this ride. It's been a lot of fun. And honestly, it's it's one even better than I expected it to, um, especially uh, in terms of actual picks. Um, not going to do any better than we have this year ever again. I'm fairly confident of that. But it's been really fun just to to grow while doing this, uh, learn how to actually put together a podcast and run it, and um, bringing on different guests with different points of view, um, sometimes multiple guests at one time. It's been a lot of fun, so I, I really thank all of you for for listening uh, this year. We've uh, now with this episode, that's 26 episodes, which is pretty crazy, especially after hearing that, I guess, like over 80% of podcasts. And after 13 episodes, well, we're more double that now. So 26 episodes um, to start out the season. And I'm looking forward to bringing even more in 2019. And 2018 was a landmark year for sports betting. And 2019, I think is going to be just as important, we obviously saw PASPA get overruled by the Supreme Court this year, and that kind of set everything into motion for me um, in terms of formulating this podcast and actually putting it together. Um, again, it's this entire podcast is dedicated to the late, great David Malinsky, who passed away one month exactly to the day before PASPA was overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, he died in a tragic hiking incident. He fell while hiking um, at Mount Charleston nearby Las Vegas, so... This one goes out to him. My entire idea behind this was to also help teach people some of the things I learned from him over the years, um, handicapping tips, handicapping techniques. So the goal is to keep people up to date, educated as usual with the legal process, but also teach people how to bet um, smartly uh, with your bankroll management and check at all times and simply searching for value and scraping away at value over time, building bankroll over time. So it's been a lot of fun. Again, I really thank all of you for listening. Um, my legal rant is going to come in next week's episode on the developments with the uh, Supreme Court decision and all everything, all the fallout that's happened since then. Obviously, we've had several states uh, legalize sports betting since then, and multiple states are looking at legislation heading into 2019. But as I said in the last episode, Senator, two senators released uh, a bipartisan or introduced a bill uh, to Congress to create some sort of federal framework for the um, for sports betting moving forward. So I'm going to jump into that more in depth in next week's episode, or upcoming episode, uh, because I really want to bring that to the forefront for everyone, because that's going to impact how we wager here in America moving forward, or it may impact, um, including in Nevada too. So that's there could be a lot of ramifications to that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm going to do that in the next episode. Uh, quickly, Philly Fran, congrats to him. I think he got some good karma coming on the podcast last week because he went 5-0 and in his first five picks in the Doggy Juice Challenge. So he takes home the $25 Venmo prize last week. Um, I also said if he went 6-0, and if anyone went 6-0, and I would up the prize to $50 on Venmo. And he Unfortunately, missed his Monday night pick with Oakland, uh, the Raiders. They were laying two and a half, or I'm sorry, with um, with Denver laying two and a half. Oakland actually got the money. But congrats to Philly Fran. Good job, five and zero. He gets the twenty five dollar Venmo prize, 
And just a reminder, this is the last week of the Doggy Juice Challenge in the NFL regular season. We've had three guys go 5-0. Zizzle Bizzle, Magic Man, and Philly Fran. And this is your last week to do it. All you have to do, I'm going to post the Super Contest lines for the variation of the Super Contest I play in the Chicago Super Contest on my Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. I'll post those lines. You just got to choose your favorite five against the spread. Send them to me before the games kick off on Sunday at 12 uh, noon Central Time. Just send me those. If you go five and zero, I'll send you a five and I'll send you a twenty five dollar Venmo prize. If you go six and zero, so make sure you include which one's your sixth pick. I don't want you just sending out six picks and then you know if you go five and zero, you know you can't choose which one is the right one. So if you make sure you indicate which one's your sixth pick. If you go six and zero, I'll send you a fifty dollar Venmo prize. So this is the last week to do it. Hopefully someone can get the money. I would love to see someone get a six and zero this week to close it out. Uh, but congrats to the guys that have already taken home the bacon on that so far this year. In terms of a Super Contest update for me, I've been obviously tracking this throughout the podcast, and it's been kind of fun because right now, going into the last week, I am tied for first place with one other guy sitting at 54-26. and 26. There's two guys behind us at 53-27, and 27, so they're one game back. Um, and then another guy I think has 50 wins. So it's basically four guys competing for those top spots. Um, it's a very nice payout for the top few spots, and the, the jump from first to second to third to fourth is pretty big. So it's, I'm going to be really watching intently this week, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, been giving out some of my my plays and my reasoning behind my plays in this podcast throughout the season. So it's been kind of fun doing this podcast and updating the, super, the Chicago Super Contest and now sitting tied for first place heading into the final week. So we did go 5-0 and last week on uh, the picks. So that's the second 5-0 and week of the year for the Doggy Juice and the, super, the Chicago Super Contest. So a 5 and a week this week will ensure first place. Obviously not expecting that to happen, but I'm shooting for if I can, I think I have a really solid chance if I go 3-2 and two this week of, of getting first place. 4-1 and one should get the job done, but we will see. And then on top of that, um, final final thing before I move on, um, we were on a 20-0. and 0, We got up to a 20-0 and 0 run on posted plays on Twitter and Instagram last week. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that's never going to happen again. I would love for someone to, to show me someone else who's gone 20-0 on straight side, uh, mainly minus 110 bets. You know, I could obviously go 20-0 if you um, if you picked a lot of like minus 500 favorites. I'm sure over time you can eventually do that, but hitting minus 110 sides, go 20-0, uh, that's tough to do. So that was a great run. I hope everyone made some coin by following um, the picks, but this is just a reminder to bet smart, not raise your unit size drastically when times are going good like this because no one's going to go on 20-0 runs. I mean, Doggy Juice did it, did it but uh, no one else is going to do it again. And it's really easy when you're red hot like that to just raise your bets, but that's how you lose your money. The most important thing, Doggy Juice Ten Commandment number one, is bankroll management. And if you're keeping your unit size in check, you're going to do fine during these long runs, but you're also going to do fine during those those bad cold streaks that are inevitable. So when times are good, the best bettors out there are the ones that can keep their, their unit size and their bankroll management in check because it's really easy to keep doubling it down and keep going and raising your bet. But then that 21st game is going to happen. You're going to lose, and you're going to cut into it, and then you're going to chase. So... 20-0 run. It was great. Finally uh, lost it on Sunday um, on Sunday afternoon, but it was a close one. So uh, the bets did well last week. It was a great run, and uh, looking forward to getting another winning streak going soon. 
So in this episode, all I'm going to do is just jump into some bowl game look-aheads for um, the next week in college football bowl games, and then a look-ahead at this weekend's card in the NFL, Week 17, the final week of the regular season. Let's get to it with some look-aheads. Yeah, baby! <laughs> All right, well, the first of these games is going to kick off before the podcast gets released, but we do have some good bowl games today, Friday, December 28th. Um, Purdue, I actually have them at plus five from the opener and money line at plus 170. Syracuse gave them out recently on a podcast. I have them at uh, plus one and a half and money line plus 110. I think they're laying over th- they're laying three with juice now, with extra juice, so hopefully you got down on that number. And then Iowa State actually locked them in at plus six and a half and money line plus two ten when it opened. Gave that out uh, several weeks ago on the podcast. Hopefully, hopefully people were able to get down on that. Uh, but I still like that play at plus three and a half. Unfortunately, the lines come down to about three and under three at some places. Don't like it for as much uh, under th- oh, under three. I don't think it's a good play. But anything at plus three with normal juice or over is uh, good value for me on Iowa State. But Nice little sprinkle on them on the money line as well. I think they can win this game outright. Um, it's just for me, it's a it's a great play on a great team who is who is a great coach. And Washington State, on the flip side, you know they had a dream season, but it's kind of hard to get up f- for a game against Iowa State um, when they had their sights set on some bigger things throughout that season. So I, I think give me Campbell, the Iowa State, the Cyclones coach. I, I think he's great in bowl games, getting his team motivated. Uh, I think this team, this game should be closer to a pick'em. So good value here on Iowa State. Also, uh, we've got Nevada plus two in pocket. Gave that out when that came out. I think that was just a, a market for me. My numbers had it at Nevada should have been favored slightly. So just getting ahead of it in that spot uh, in terms of the handicap, not much there. That line's now moved to where I think it should be. So really a no play for me at that number. But. Moving on to tomorrow's action, Notre Dame, plus 13. Uh, this one I had at around eight and a half, nine points. I really like the idea of a first-half play here, too. Uh, quarterback Ian Book for the Fighting Irish has had at least two touchdown passes in every start he's made this year. They hear the noise from the outside with everyone saying they don't belong in this spot. So I think it's a really, really good look taking Notre Dame, especially if you can isolate with some first half here. I do think Clemson's going to win the game, but I think Notre Dame can stay within the number here, or at least over 52.38% of the time, which is what we need uh, to happen to break even. So I I think it's a good look taking the dog in this game. Um, Obviously, it's tough to go up against Clemson in this spot. I think Clemson's... uh, the team that can uh, give Alabama the challenge for the title, besides obviously Georgia, but um, I love this spot for Notre Dame, getting this many points in the national semifinal game. I think they can keep it within the number. They're going to bring, obviously, um, <clears throat> there, there's not many flaws in this team. They're obviously I mean, Both teams will be max motivated, but um, I think there's really not many weaknesses to take advantage of for Clemson. They're the better team. They should come out on top, but numbers-wise and spot-wise, I like the Fighting Irish getting 13 points. The other semifinal game, um, Alabama lane. The two touchdowns is my lean in this one, but I actually like the idea of getting after a first half under in this one more. I think they might be playing it closer to the chest. Might be able to get a really good number because everyone's, you know, full game total sitting at over 81, 81 and a half. So, but this is a prime spot for in running uh, wagering opportunities for me, but I do want to bet on Alabama at some point. 
There is the angle of the team coming out, playing hard for Tua, since he got the Heisman snub and Kyler Murray won the Heisman. But I think everyone knows that angle. It's kind of a square way of thinking to me. Oklahoma does have an incredible offensive line, but we know about their defensive struggles. And Alabama, we know <laughs> we know Alabama. So uh, obviously I think they're going to win this game, but staying within the number is what's important for our purposes and for Oklahoma, if you're going to bet on them. Alabama covering the number is important, so I, I think they should cover the game. 14 looks about right, but that's my lean. Um, if I can get down on Alabama first half, I could find a minus 7 uh, with the normal juice. That's a great look as well, I think. Um, or at least Oklahoma team total under first half, I think could be a good way of isolating this one. But definitely want to be on Alabama. I think they're going to win the whole thing. And if you could find Alabama to win the whole thing at minus 200, I've seen that offer to some places. I think that's worth a good look. Uh, if you could lock down that position, you could always play back. You know, if they're going to beat Oklahoma, obviously you need them to beat Oklahoma. But if you, they beat Oklahoma, you can go into the championship game with that that minus 200 position. And you might be able to take the underdog if it's inflated a little bit. If they're going up against Clemson, which I expect, take the points of Clemson. You can cash both tickets in that scenario. That might be something I'm looking to do. Um, I am sitting with Alabama plus money to win the whole thing. From Gave that out earlier in the year on the podcast when it was still plus money. So... It's a good position to be in. Obviously, we expect Alabama to win the entire thing. And we have someone else with a play who's going to make his return to the podcast. Danimal is back with his last Danimal lock of 2018. Hey, everybody. Long time. It's been a while. It's been a while. Hope everybody had a good holidays. I've actually am the champion of fantasy football. I know you don't care, but guess what? I do. I, Danimal, care. Locked it up with ease. And then the bookie, he's been running too. This kid is on fire. Fire. It's 30 degrees outside. Might as well be 150 degrees because the Danimal is throwing out winners. I got one for you. New Year's Eve. I think it's like 3 o'clock. Just start pouring the little mixed drinks for for your night party. It's going to be Oklahoma State, Missouri. Over 74. This game, it's going to be like tennis. Left, right, left, right. Your neck is going to hurt so bad. This game is going up and down. They might hit 100. Don't even know where they're playing. I was going to say dome because it sounds fast. But I don't know. It doesn't matter. Missouri, Oklahoma State, over 74. Lay it in. Lay it in. Later. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good luck on that one, Danimal. I'm going to work on getting you a drop starting next calendar year. But um, my numbers have that one about pretty – I'm pretty neutral on that one, so I'll be rooting you on on that one. Hope everyone can cash the final Danimal lock of 2018. <laughs> Northwestern plus seven and money line. Clayton Thorson, their senior quarterback. Uh, they're going up against Utah. It is on the West Coast, but – You've already seen how poorly the Pac-12 has been. I think their number, just off the top of my head, the past two years, they're are they one and nine straight up, or is it against the spread? It's in that 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 range, you know, like two and ten against the spread, one and nine straight up, something. But both against the spread and straight up, they've been terrible in bowl games. The Pac-12, and you look at the Big Ten, how they fared already. Um, obviously, with Wisconsin winning as underdogs um, last night against Miami, we were on Wisconsin. And also, um, you saw Minnesota win their game as underdogs over Georgia Tech. So, obviously, the Big Ten market might be a little down on them compared to how they should be. 
There's that angle. Also, Northwestern winning the game for their senior quarterback, for Thorson. And they're just a well-coached team, and they've been really good as an underdog in the spot. And I think Utah, although they did win their – they're the one Pac-12 team to win their bowl game last year and show any success. I just see nothing from that offense that gives me any confidence. And laying a touchdown against a Northwestern team, I think this game should be closer to a field goal, so we're getting great value. This is one of my favorite plays, my favorite bowl game plays. Uh, the number has stayed around this range, which gives me a little bit of pause, actually. But um, I was actually even able to find Northwestern plus 7.5 already. Um, so you can shop around, but you still easily find that plus seven and sprinkle some money line on the Northwestern Wildcats. Texas A&M. I got this one at minus five and a half, but there's been tons of money flowing in on them, and, and that line's moved up a bit, and I agree with that line move. I still like it a lot at under a touchdown. Lots of that value has gone, but at the full touchdown, I still think that's a good play on Texas A&M. They're getting all their, health, their guys back healthy, their skill players, and most importantly, they're trying to transition for next year. This is a scenario I tried to touch on initially when I was talking about bowl games. Teams that are look to play on teams that are trying to set a foundation for next season. And Jimbo Fisher, you know he wants to set the tone for next season. Uh, he's had 15 practices to prepare for this bowl game. Obviously, every team does, but um, he's got guys back that are healthy. And I think that they're in a spot here where they can really just blow NC State out of the water. NC State's been a nice story this year. We've cashed quite a few tickets with them, but I think uh, Jimbo Fisher and the SEC team, Texas A&M, covering this number is uh, is a good bet. I think they're going to win this game by over a touchdown, or at least a touchdown. And finally, Texas, plus 13, given this one out uh, a while ago. Uh, but Tom Herman is a dog, and does Georgia really want to be here? Give me the points for the, with the Longhorns getting 13 in that bowl game. All right, let's move on to NFL Week 17. Hello! So generally, I've learned this over the years, um, I like to go lighter on my initial positions um, earlier in the week. Usually I like to load up on positions at the when the lines are posted uh, on Sunday uh, for the following week. But this week, I generally like to go lighter on those initial positions, and the reason for that is obviously player personnel. There's so many questions that come into play um, in terms of team motivation and which players are going to be playing in the games. Um, You have teams that have uh, no chance of making the playoffs. They have nothing to play for, so they're going to look to to rest guys for next year or give some other guys some playing time, like, uh, for example, Carolina Panthers not starting Cam Newton at quarterback this week. And on the flip side, you have teams with max motivation, everything to play for, a playoff spot on the line. Look at the Minnesota Vikings. You can look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the spot, and obviously the playing game for the playoffs between the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans this week. So look at team motivations, but the teams where there's uncertainty on motivations and player personnel, it's just hard to take an initial position on that. The only game that I um, that I got in on early was the Buffalo Bills laying minus three against the Dolphins. That one's moved up a little bit since. But for that spot, I, I wanted to get in early this week. But otherwise, no other positions, initial positions have been made except one, which I'll get to, besides the Bills. So there's another one as well, which I'll get to in a moment. But player valuations come into play big time this week. And general concept, um, you have to look at the players themselves, whether or not they're going to play. But just as importantly, look at their backups. So, for example, if Marcus Mariota does not suit up, right now I have his backup um, pegged at about a four-and-a-half-point downgrade. So figuring out your player valuations is key this week. And honestly, 
most players are worth nothing or very very small amount to the to the line, especially uh, when you look at you know some players on the line and stuff. And skill position players are rarely, if ever, <laughs> worth a point. Sometimes half a point, depending on the player. So you really got to consider the player's value to the team, but also his backup. You know, if a guy's a good player, but he has a terrible backup behind him, there's going to be a a bigger drop-off versus if a guy's a good player and there's another decent player that's his backup. So that's obvious. So look at that when you're trying to figure out your player valuations for the lines. But honestly, otherwise, there's so much variability and so much uncertainty this week. And that's the same way for the odds makers, though. They have the same information that we have in theory, so it's harder for them to set a line. So level playing field, but I'm not going to go after... uh, pre-game or initial positions on the opening lines when I usually like to get after them on the Sunday prior um, just because this week with an entire week to go so much change can happen and I don't want to take an initial position unless I'm very confident that um, that's the number or that the thing I'm betting on is is going to happen or at least something that I'm not anticipating to happen is going to happen so um, with that in mind um, another concept is to look more into derivative plays this week in the NFL um, namely first half plays and also correlated parlays that can come into play. Um, there's good angles here to look at. So like for example, the Chiefs and the Chargers both, you know, if the Chiefs lose and the Chargers win, the Chargers win the division. And that's a huge difference because they'll get the one seed in the AFC versus the five seed. And the Chiefs, if they, they simply need to win the game to get the one seed and the Chargers will be stuck with the five seed. So there's obviously a correlation between the Chargers performance and the Chiefs' performance, because if the Chiefs are, you know, if they're winning by a lot early on, then the Chargers might start resting their players once it's apparent that the Chiefs are going to blow out the the forty or not the Forty Nineers, the the Raiders. So once it becomes apparent that the Chiefs are are losing by or winning the game handedly and covering the spread, blah blah blah, they're going to win this. The Chargers they have no incentive to win the game since they're locked into that five spot. So you're probably going to see them pull their players in that spot and just prepare for their their first playoff game on the road next week. So there's situations like that to look at. Also, first half plays. You can see a similar situation with the Bears as well, visiting the Vikings this week. The Vikings obviously in a must-win max motivation spot, and the line reflects that. But looking at the Bears, maybe first half could be an angle just because they'll probably, you know, they're going to be playing hard in the first half while they look at the Rams score because the Rams need to win to solidify the home field or sorry the uh, first round buy in the playoffs get the two seed the Saints have the one seed and the Bears if they win and the, and the Rams lose then the Bears will get the two seed so obviously the Bears want to win the game especially if the Rams lose then they really want to win the game but the Bears will be watching the Rams game and once it becomes apparent that the Rams are winning by a lot and they're gonna win with ease you're gonna see the Bears or at least they sh- the Bears should lay off the gas pedal so that's a time to maybe live bet on the Vikings but it's good to isolate Bears first half versus full game if you're looking to play on the Bears in this spot so derivative plays in week 17 is the way to go and it's also a good time to look at numbers at this point figure out if it's better to do a money line rollover versus a future on a certain team so for example let's say that a team's being offered a 10 to 1 right now to win the Super Bowl and they're going to make the playoffs and if you want to bet them to win the Super Bowl you think there's value you have to consider what the payout would be or estimate what the payout would be if you just bet them on the money line and rolled over the money each time and almost every single time you do that you're going to get a way bigger payout sometimes substantially bigger payout than you would just betting them on the future 
No, that's not to blindly say that you should be um, doing the money line rollover, but pretty much in any scenario, that's that's the best option to go. But a quick take on futures. Generally, I think there's no value to be had pretty much ever when it comes to the futures market, especially uh, preseason. But there's obviously ex- exceptions to this. I mean, always. I, and I love betting futures when I think there's great value on them. And I've had success on that um, in the past, especially in college basketball. But um, in futures situations, it's always good to obviously buy on a team when the rest of the market's lower on the team. And a great example was the Los Angeles Dodgers this year. I think they started the season 16 and 26. And at that point in time, they're being offered. I got them at uh, ten to one to win the NL, and it was twenty to one to win to win the World Series at that point. And they ended up winning the National League uh, and losing the World Series. So, in the NFL, the example is the Los Angeles Chargers. I had a that's a team I actually did like in the preseason uh, futures markets. I got them at thirty three to one to win the whole thing, but they were being offered at I got them at twenty five to one. I added twenty five to one on November twenty seventh, so just a, a month and a day ago. I found a 25 to 1 on the Chargers. And that's when they were winning games left and right. So that just kind of shows what the, how bad the preseason futures market is when I got them at 33 to 1, which I thought was a good number. And even after their you know, their hot start, when it became apparent that they were one of the top teams in the AFC, they're still being offered at 25 to 1 just a month and a day ago. So now, more likely than not, you're going to have better value just doing a money line rollover on a team, meaning. At this point, you know, if they, especially if they need to make the playoffs, so if you're looking to, you know, do it on the Colts, start this week, or, or even the Titans, play them on the money line, and then every game just take the money that you won, roll it over on the money line the next game, and if they win again, you can roll it over on the next game. And the brilliant thing about that is at any point, if you think there's no value, you can get out of it with your equity or with the amount of money you've won. So you don't, you're not forced to have them win the whole thing, win the Super Bowl to win your bet or to win your money. You can money line rollover until you get to the Super Bowl and then just enjoy the game or you know you can bet the other side so I think that's a good way to, to go so if you're targeting a team to win the Super Bowl um, I think the best way to go about making the most amount of money on them is to just bet them each game and roll over the money so another thing to do around this time of year is to potentially hedge your bets and if you listen back to the very first episode Doggy Juice Ten Commandments um, the rule is the Ten Commandment never hedge unless the Money involved is life-changing money to the point where you know so much more than you, you could you stand to win so much more money um, that than you normally would on a bet that you are willing to bet a negative expectation bet as a hedge. Usually, I only like to hedge when that individual hedge bet is is positive EV on its own right, but there's obviously exceptions. So if you have a, you know a big uh, future t- you know team in the futures market and you uh, want to hedge back, that's totally fine. Um, so along those lines, though, this is a situation where the hedge actually does come into play, and this is the play that I was alluding to earlier. Um, at the beginning of the season, I, if you remember, I gave out the Baltimore Ravens to win their division, the AFC North, at plus 400. It was one of the first podcasts. I gave that one out. Didn't expect them to win the division, but I thought there was great value at plus 400. I even added up, or I loaded up on a little bit more, plus 350 um, a week or two into the season, something like that, but... In this spot, I think there's nothing wrong. And obviously, Baltimore, just in order to win the division this week, they just have to win the game against the Cleveland Browns at home. And even if they lose that game, the Steelers will have to win their game. But the Steelers are heavy two-touchdown-plus favorites at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. So we do expect the Steelers to win. But 
The Ravens just got a win, and they win the division. That plus 400 ticket cashes. But in this spot, I actually think the Browns could have value at plus 6. So what I do, I, I like the Browns in this spot at plus 6, and sprinkling some money line here as a hedge is not a bad move. Um, so right now I'm in a spot where I can win both bets, win Baltimore to win the division, and the Browns, they can win the game over the Browns by less than 6. I'll win that Browns plus 6 bet. So we win the hedge, but I have sprinkled a little bit of money line on the Browns here, uh, plus two. What did I get? Plus two ten. I don't know the exact number, but um, plus two something. And uh, I think that's another way to hedge that that Baltimore spot. Obviously, they probably mutually exclusive winning the Baltimore Ravens division play, and the Browns winning the game against them outright this week. Is obviously expect the Steelers to win their game, but this is a great spot where I think the hedge actually makes sense from a value angle as well. Um, Otherwise, I gave out the Bills play um, earlier. Uh, I strongly like it at minus 3.5, perhaps a money line play on this one if the number's right, but this is a classic case of the warm weather team and the Miami Dolphins coming up to play in the cold weather at the end of the season with little to play for, except maybe Adam Gase's job. But I don't know how much the players really care about Gase keeping his job. But Buffalo's coming off a revenge. They lost to Miami in, when they went down to Miami earlier in the year, but they actually out-yarded uh, them, outgained them. And I actually think they um, the, the stats say that the Buffalo is the better team in that one. But Ryan Tannehill's never won a game up in Orchard Park, and the only Dolphin uh, quarterback to win a game up in Buffalo in the past seven years is Matt Moore. So. Uh, I think there's a great chance Buffalo blows out uh, Miami in this spot, so getting down on Buffalo at minus three was an easy decision for me. I think they're going to try to build for next year. Obviously, Josh Allen, they looked really good last week against the Patriots, so I think that uh, they looked like they they could hang. So I think the Bills, the arrow's pointing up on them, which at the beginning of the season, I was down on them heavily. I actually, and I bet one of my biggest preseason season win total plays was on there, under six and a half, that one cashed already because if they do win this week, they're going to end with six wins. But they have shown that they're not one of the worst teams in the league this year. They have taken that next step, in my opinion, with Rosen. And for how bad it was looking early on with the Bills, I think they're finishing the season pretty strong. And they could be a buy-on candidate to start next year as well, especially as long as the market is underrated, underrating that team and Josh Rosen. So good luck there. Finally, the Bears and Vikings under. 42 is actually a key, pretty key number in the NFL. It's pretty incredible um, how many games actually have landed on 42 when you look at the, the data. But um, I like this one for less at 41 under. But more importantly, I think really targeting the the first half under I think is a great play here. The Vikings have everything to play for, so they're going to bring max motivation. But the Bears be playing hard that first half as well. So I think if you could really target it and get first half under, I especially like that in the Bears-Vikings game. That's it, though, for best bets uh, in the NFL, but stay tuned for more plays on the Doggy Juice Twitter and Instagram. I'm hopefully hoping to find some value to post uh, a play on Sunday morning, but otherwise I will post my five selections for the, the Chicago Super Contest on there. Obviously hope that ends well. But that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod, and that'll do it for all episodes this calendar year, 2018. It's been a lot of fun, and I really, really, again, I want to thank everybody for listening and and uh, and participating throughout the past few months. It's it's truly been a dream season. Um, I don't expect to ever have. I mean, the past two years have been great um, from an investment angle and college 
football and the NFL, but I really can't expect to keep winning at this rate every year. This has been, I literally could not have imagined it being this good uh, in terms of, of the selections and the, the plays I've given out. So hard to maintain this winning rate, but it's been a lot of fun. I really hope you've made a lot of money this fall by listening to the podcast and following the podcast. But more importantly, I hope you've learned how to just think about betting differently, picked up on some concepts and techniques, handicapping techniques that you were not aware of before, um, trends to look at, and just ways about thinking about betting differently. Because the end goal, obviously for all of us, is to make money doing this. It's an incredibly hard thing to do. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But hopefully I've given you some tools to make you move forward in the into 2019, the new year, um, thinking about the game differently, thinking about sports betting differently. And these are really exciting times for sports betting. So it's, it's, it's been a good ride and I'm, I really appreciate everyone listening. So with that, I will go make sure you get your doggy juice challenge picks into me by Sunday noon central time and make it clear what your first five plays are and add the sixth. If you want to six and O means a $50 Venmo prize. Good luck on your action. I will see you all in 2019. Thanks for making 2018 so great. I will be back. Thanks again. God bless. Happy New Year. Doggy Juice.